If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word this morning, Garments of Grace. Garments of Grace. Now, I know when we read a lot of times, especially if you're newer in the faith, uh, or if you, even you've been saved for a long time, and, and a, lot of, a lot of believers uh, feel a lot more comfortable spending their time in the New Testament. They seem to understand it more. It seems written directly to them, especially since uh, most of us are not Jewish. We certainly did not grow up in, uh, in the time of Mount Sinai, did we? Uh, we were not part of the wilderness experience. We didn't have 40 days in the wilderness. Uh, we didn't, we're, we've not been led by the Lord by a cloud by day and fire by night. Uh, we have not been uh, associated, most of us, uh, with any aspects of tabernacle, temple. Uh, in matter of fact, you know, the fact, there's not been a temple in the last 2,000 years, so no one has really been associated with specifically the ta- uh, temple, though many Jewish people are familiar with some of these things, more so than those of us as Gentiles, because of the fact that at least in the synagogues, the rabbis do talk about some of these very things and the importance of these holy garments. So uh, it, it's, it's somewhat foreign, but I think that there, the Lord... Again, in the Old Testament, so much of it is pointing towards the very days and times which we live in. And that's why I've titled this Garments of Grace. There's something else happening here that's applicable for us today. Although I think it's valuable to even understand what was going on then. How about you? I think it's when you, if you're going to study anything, those of you that love history, history was important then. But it's also important for understanding those who you know, don't understand history are doomed to repeat it, right? Don't understand it, don't follow it. But what took place there that the children of Israel was important then, but it's also very important to us today. And, we, and, and you can see entire books like Hebrews written so much to the priesthood, even the order of Melchizedek. And we see these important things that the Lord brings to greater clarity with the ministry of Jesus, who will be the high priest. Amen? Jesus is, is the high priest. He's also the king, right? So he, remember, he's the purple and the blue. Remember, we see right here that the priest is going to wear all blue. The high priest has these blue garments, which uh, signify this high priestly duty, and yet we see still the purple threads, which signify, much like Solomon would have, the purple or the royal or the throne. But again, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, three things that we'll look at this morning for beauty, for glory, and for holiness, the very description of what Moses writes or what the Lord tells him these garments would be for. They would be to remember the glory of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord, and the holiness of the Lord. Uh, Nothing that we ever do if we're really, really followers of Christ is ever for us, is it? I'm beautiful. I'm glorious, right? I'm holy, right? All of those things are not the nature of the Lord. He was humble and lowly and meek in heart. But the very thing that Jesus would do would always give honor and glory to the Father. So we want to look at the context this morning for beauty, for glory, and for holiness. Now when you think about Aaron and his sons, and for that matter, all the Levites that would be priest. These men, Aaron and his sons, were called to be priest 
But you understand what a ministry of grace or what a work of grace this is when you realize that they would not have had just a short time earlier. Remember, they, they've only been out of Egypt for a short period now, right? It hasn't been long since they've been out of Egypt. We're talking about you know, a matter of months here. And they've not been out of uh, Egypt that long. It wasn't that long ago that they would never have had the resources for the garments of God's design to make them even if they wanted to. This, the garments being made alone is a work of grace, and it's a miracle. It might escape you. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to make the garment. If you would have told them to make these garments while they were Egyptian slaves, not happening. Uh, you know, what, do you, what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, just a short time earlier, instead of wearing these type garments, these men were likely wearing garments of slavery weren't they? They were wearing garments that were worn out and dirty. They were wearing garments of shame. They were the lowest class garments in Egypt. The lowest. They were the Dalits, just like in India. The lowest of class garments is what they were wearing. There was no beauty in them. They were shameful. Rather than gold and precious stones, if they had any metal, it would be iron shackles. Not gold. And they... On their clothes, instead of precious stones, there would be dried mortar and straw. They were making bricks for Pharaoh, weren't they? This is not that long ago. Imagine if you were just a few months ago like that, and then God says, now this is what I want you to wear. What a contrast in a matter of months. There was no soft linen on their skin. Remember the, the, the linen underneath? The, the undergarments were soft linen trousers. There was no soft linen, but rather they would be, have a lot of sweat, and if there was any material, it might be a leather whip on their back. Big, big difference in what God is saying. Here's what I want you to wear. The priesthood. From the high priest, all the Levitical priests, this is what I want you to wear. Though we were created in the image of God... We know this from Genesis 1. We were created in the image of God, and we were created to serve and worship Him. That's what Adam and Eve were created to do. Instead, according to Titus 3.3, we were actually serving various lusts and pleasures. We were disobedient and being deceived. That's what we were serving. Now, if you're still serving those things today, God wants to deliver you. Amen? And he wants to give you a different change of clothing, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He doesn't want you wearing garments of shame anymore. He doesn't want you wearing garments of death, eternal death, if you continue to wear those garments. Now, you don't have to wear those garments. I don't have to wear those garments. He actually will give us new garments, Revelation 1.6. And he has made us kings and priests. Amen? To his God and Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God's made us kings and priests. What does that mean? Well, kings, we, we now proclaim his kingdom, don't we? We have all authority given under heaven to actually proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, we don't sit as kings yet, but we actually sit with the king in the heavenlies, we agree with Jesus. We know that this world belongs to him. 
And we have all authority to tell people. It doesn't matter if they believe it or not. I tell people all the time. You're standing on God's ground. This belongs to Him. Your breath belongs to Him. We have authority to proclaim His kingdom. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done. We can proclaim His kingdom. We're sitting with Him as kings, but also as priests. What are we doing as priests? Well, as priests, those of us who know the Lord, we bring people to the Lord in the presence of the Lord. Not just pastors like myself, but you, dads, are supposed to be bringing your children into the presence of the Lord, bringing your wife to the presence of the Lord. Women, you're supposed to bring other young ladies into the presence of the Lord. Every time that we point people to the sacrifice, instead of the brazen altar, we point people to Jesus, we're ministering as priests unto the Lord, and the Lord wants us to walk in this manner. I do want to take a couple of minutes real quickly and just show you uh, visually understand uh, some things related to uh, this 28th chapter and the priesthood and the garments that, of course, the Lord has designed. Uh, it, it's really fascinating to see. Now, it's one thing, we always see God's design. If you've ever picked an orange, you're looking at God's design. If you've ever eaten a banana, you're looking at God's design, right? You see a beautiful palm tree, you're looking at his design. Uh, The palm trees will even be in the final temple. They're engraved on the walls. God actually loves his own design, by the way. And I love it too. How about you? If you've ever been to a beautiful island and you've seen the blue wall, you see God's design all around. But it's fascinating to see that God designs an outfit that we actually can comprehend exactly what he designed we don't know the exact design of the robes, like to the, to the fabric design, but we know the general, we got a probably an 85% understanding of exactly what he designed. Make sense? And we can see it and understand that God's telling us something about the heavenly realm. Now, uh, this is, of course, what the, tab- uh, the tabernacle would have looked like in some artist's rendering. That's pretty, you know, again, most renderings are all pretty close Based on the dimensions, we have a pretty good understanding what it looked like there. And then you see what the, what the priest is wearing. Take a look at the next one here. It's got a little better uh, view. And these are different ones. Matter of fact, uh, these two on the left and the one on the bottom right-hand corner there, I took those right from the Temple Institute's website. You know they have all this stuff ready to go, folks. You know there's another temple <laughs> that they want to build, that they will build, and Praise the Lord, I don't plan on being here when it all goes down. How about you? But uh, nevertheless, the temple is, uh, everything's pretty much ready to go. They just need uh, clearance on the land. But these are are the garments that the high priest would wear. You can see you've got the blue, the upper robe, the blue robe here. You've got the ephod with all the embroidery on the ephod. Gold thread, pure gold thread, scarlet thread purple thread, blue thread, all woven through. Remember, now we saw in the tabernacle, we didn't see the gold thread. There's something, the high priest, remember it points to Jesus, you've got the heavenly realm woven in there as well. You think about the streets of gold and all the, and purity. Gold is a pure thing. There's a gold that is uh, completely refined in the fire. There's all pure. So you see the purity is is in the garment, but also the royalties in the garment, the priestly role is in the garment, and the sacrificial lamb, the scarlet, all woven into the garment. So it all tells us a story about who? 
Jesus himself, the high priest under the order of Melchizedek. You can see the onyx stones up there on the shoulders. They would have each of the six on one side, six tribes on the other. Uh, You see the front of the ephod, the square. uh, You can see it up here in this left-hand one. It would have the stones, each of the the precious stones, uh, the three rows of stones there. And you can see, again, another picture over there. So each of these slightly different renderings, but they're all pretty similar. Uh, no one's in disagreement. In general terms, this is, this is what uh, the... Gar- Aren't they beautiful? This is what God, it's, it, you're looking at something God actually designed. This isn't a Hollywood designer. This isn't a French designer, right? This is something that God designed, and it's beautiful and the older I am, and the more I walk with Christ, I appreciate things like this more. And you understand that, in essence, God wants to put this kind of beauty upon us for all eternity. You get a picture. It's a glimpse. Uh, now, the normal priestly garments are the white robes, which is similar to what will, what will we be wearing in heaven. White robes. So the, uh, this, is the, this is the normal. But the high priest... You see the garments of the high priest and what is worn, and going into the Holy of Holies, this is what would be worn, had to be perfect, had to be spotless, couldn't be any defect in the garment. And I think I've got one more that actually gives you the stone. This is actually taken right here. This is taken from the Temple Institute. That is a literal ephod, uh, you're actually, or, or breastplate, I'm sorry. That is a breastplate of judgment, kind of ready to go. The stones are all aligned. Um, and she's uh, actually the uh, four rows of stones with three stones each. This is the Urim and the Thummim. That would have been on the back side. So you would have the stones on the front side, but inside or on the back side would be the Uman and Thurmit, and that was over where? Aaron's heart, right? And it protected him from the judgment of Israel. Uh, Israel would, uh, like every other person, we rebel a lot, don't we? And so there would be that, that would be a sign that the Lord, I've got your heart uh, protected from judgment, the whole course, the breastplate. It's called the breastplate of judgment. You see the onyx stones up there, they're set in gold. Onyx can come in a lot of different colors. Many of you are familiar with black onyx, which is, which is probably the most common that we see, but onyx actually can be green. We don't know the exact color. Onyx can be green, it can be tan. It always has a milky white kind of um, swirl in it, uh, all onyx, but it actually, uh, or usually does, and you see uh, the black onyx up there, and then you see the engraving, and there's just another rendering of the breastplate and, uh, and the rows of the uh, stones. But beautiful, I thought uh, instructive for maybe to understand and see what God designed. And why it's important is because everything for you and me is by God's perfect design, isn't it? God doesn't have accidental designs for our life. Everything is well thought out, every stone, every strap, every weaving. A lot of times we think that, uh, you know, we, get, we, we see things that don't happen. We can go ahead and take that off. We see things that happen in our life. We're not quite sure, uh, did the Lord really have this for us or not? And God's garments that he wants to put us in, the things that he wants us to do, the things he wants to walk in uh, are always going to be perfect. Now, uh, something I wanted to read you just briefly that I got out on the temple, uh, the, the temple website, the Temple Institute website, this is uh, what they write. Now, uh, they're quoting from uh, the Talmud 
and the rabbinical writings. Now remember, when you think about the Old Testament, for the Jewish person, it's not the Old Testament. They don't call it that. They call it the Tanakh. Speaking about the first five books, they're thinking about the Torah. And the Torah can be inclusive of all of the Old Testament as well, Genesis to Malachi. But then you have a third T. So Torah is the first five books and can be inclusive of all of the books of uh, the Old Testament. Tanakh is all of the Old Testament writings uh, from Genesis to Malachi. But then you have the Talmud, the third T. The Talmud are the rabbinical writings, rabbis that wrote very, very solid, biblically sound uh, you know, men that, that truly loved God and were surrendered to God and, and write commentary that's very good, just like many good Bible commentaries today. And then you had others that wrote not so good. So the Talmud is not a, it's not, it's not inspired scripture, but much of the Talmud, remember you have part of the Talmud, it was rabbis that were, remember when Israel was carted away to Babylon, right? You had a whole group of rabbis that wrote significant portions of the Talmud writings were done there in what would be uh, modern day Iran by rabbis that were in captivity and they wrote much of it. And so some of the things that were written uh, they studied the scriptures and they prayed towards Jerusalem and understood. And this is one of the things from the Talmud that's out on the Temple Institute. And they speak of this, this remark by Moses that the garments would be for honor and beauty. For honor and beauty. And this is what they write. The rabbis established that God's command for the priestly garments to be for honor and for beauty teach us that the garments must be new and dignified. If the garments were soiled, stained, or ripped, the priest may not conduct the service while wearing them. And if they did, the service would be invalid. Completely invalid. All the things, if, if there was any defect in the garment, and this is, this is the way it was, that God said, remember, the, the, the sacrifice couldn't have a blemish, the garments couldn't have a blemish. Did Jesus ever have a blemish? Not a one. He's perfect. If there was any defect in the garment, the entire service was nullified. You see the spiritual parallel? If in your life, your garments are not pure, everything you're doing is wood, hay, and stubble. Isn't it? Same same with us. That which is not done in the power of the Holy Spirit and in a pure walk is just... Sometimes you actually do something good, but you'll get no credit for it. It'll be wood, hay, instead the service is invalidated. God must have the purity from us. Another aspect, it goes on to say, another aspect of honor and beauty means that the uniform or the, uh, the garments must fit each individual perfectly. It was forbidden for the pants, for example, to be too long or too short. If you like high waters, you could not have that, you know? The garments were made to order for each priest, tailored to fit his exact measurements. Isn't that what the Lord does for us? That he's tailored a work for each of us, tailored for us. It goes on to say, this tells us something. This is actually, I found this to be fascinating, this last point here. This tells us something of the tremendous workforce. I did not know this, and I bet you didn't either when I read this to you. This tells us something of the tremendous workforce needed to turn out these garments in such quantities that every priest in Israel could be supplied with his own tailored garments. 
As we shall learn, with regard to the incense offering, there were so many priests available for the duty in the holy temple. Now, this is looking forward to the temple ministry, not the tabernacle, but as the population would grow and as the temple would later be built, in the holy temple that no priest ever offered the daily incense more than once in his lifetime. And it was offered twice daily for many hundreds of years, yet each and every Levite priest had his own garments. Do you see how, what a team effort the priesthood is for the entire... For the, that's why it says a holy nation. Do you get it? Everyone was in the game. Some were weaving. Some were sewing. Some were burning the gold. Some were actually bringing in... The, you know, everyone was involved to the constant worship of the Lord. Everyone. Tremendous work, effort to constantly keep the commitment that God said must be kept. The lamp, remember, the, the menorah could never go out. Had to burn continually, right? All these things, the sacrifices had to every day, incense offerings, couldn't stop, hundreds of years, and everyone was involved. Now, you and I will have our own garments and gifts and abilities as well for ministry. And God will want us serving perpetually. We'll want to take a look in the last few minutes, just very briefly, at these three things for beauty and for glory and for holiness. Peter would write to us. Peter would write, now, he wrote this to the ladies, but it's applicable to all men. Why? Well, anytime that things are written, the church is called the what of Christ? The bride. The bride of Christ. Why? And we'll look at uh, uh, Proverbs 31 in just a second, which is also written not only to ladies, but also to the church at large, which includes us as men. Now, Peter writing to women in the church, but he's effectively writing to all the church at the same time. Women specifically, but all the church. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we actually have this verse uh, painted on the, wall, on the wall in our house, because I have three daughters, and it says this in 1 Peter 3, 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Remember, what is done in the Old Testament is always pointing to what? A new picture in the New Testament. Not that the Old Testament stuff's gone away. Remember, in the millennium reign of Christ, all the priestly duties come back. A thousand years. I wish I had time to teach you. I, that, that one fascinates me. A thousand years, all the priestly duties come back. The robes come back, the sacrifices, it all comes back. Why? Because Israel had never done it for the sustained time that God had required and had done it right for a period of time. God wants you and I to get things right. Amen? And not for a day, for a sustaining lifetime. Amen? He wants us to do these things. But in the New Testament, what's Peter saying here? Now, Peter's, Peter would have known that the priesthood had everything he just mentioned. Outward appearance, gold, fine apparel. Is that not what the priestly garment looked like? Of course it did. So what's Peter saying? He's saying that the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit are the new garments that we wear in Christ. There's no commandment. I'm, I'm sorry for those of you that maybe grew up around Catholicism. There is no commandment for 
any of the um, garments that, that you see in St. Uh, Peter's Square. Uh, all of the embroidery and all that stuff. There's no commandment in the New Testament whatsoever for us as, uh, that I would be today walking in here wearing an ephod. Well, I'm a priest. I'm a pastor. I wear a long, beautiful flowing garment for you little people to look at. I wear a gigantic, beautiful hat, and it says holiness unto the Lord, and, I, and I, if you're really, really good, I will, uh, you know, I'll do certain hand gestures towards you. Now, there's no commandment in the New Testament for that whatsoever, is there? None. Peter didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. John didn't do that. None of them did that. No, there's no evidence whatsoever, and yet they all were aware of the Levitical priesthood, weren't they? Paul writes about it. Totally understood the Levitical priesthood. What the New Testament tells us is that, again, God does want us to be dressed with his, Remember what I read in Psalm 24? He gives us his righteousness, right? That's the garments that we wear. And it, then it comes out in what? Our attitudes, our words, the quiet and gentle spirit. If you don't have a quiet and gentle spirit, you don't have something that beautifies and draws to the real beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? If you look exactly like the world does, if your attitude is exactly like the world does, you're still wearing the garments of Egypt. You're not wearing the garments of the priesthood that we've been called to, Revelation 1.6. James 2.8 says if you really fulfill the royal law, the royal law, the royal law according to the Scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. goes on to say in the 18th verse, but, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you by my faith my works. We've been given this, these garments of grace. Right? I, I used to wear the garments of filth. You used to wear the garments of filth. We've been given these garments of grace. Why? That we would actually now work and serve the works that God's given. Aaron and them are going to have, we're going to see that in the next chapter, in chapter 29, they're going to have specific works they're going to have to do all the time. And you and I, in drawing the world to the beauty of not ourselves, if we reflect Christ, whose beauty do we want them to see? The beauty of Christ. Is your faith in Christ, is your faith in Christ a beautiful reflection of His grace? Is it? Is it a beautiful reflection of His grace? Um, would people know to come to you in a time of crisis and say, you know, I've observed your faith. You're always calm. You're always peaceful. You're always full of love, and you, you, you say things to us that, you know, at the office or, or at the job site, or in the, you say things to us that, uh, that we don't hear. You know, people are listening to what you say, whether you think they are or not. Amen? They're listening, they're watching your countenance. Is it a beautiful countenance that draws attention to the Lord Jesus Christ? Not attention to you, but does it have people say, you know, I know that person's born again. They're one of the born-agains, right? But I have to say, 
their disposition, their kindness. It is refreshing. They may never say that to you verbally, but they may be thinking it. At some time, it will come out. You know, um, in Proverbs 31, I mentioned that that also uh, is representative uh, of the church and not just the Proverbs 31 wife, which we love that, uh, we love that aspect of it as well, but uh, also uh, speaking to the church, and in the 31st chapter of Proverbs, it tells us something about uh, this, this woman that uh, is a virtuous wife and also a picture of the virtuous bride of Christ, and it talks about that uh, she stretches out her hands to the distaff, she extends her hands to the poor, she reaches out to the poor. Uh, she uh, continually, uh, she makes, um, her, uh, her household is not afraid. So in other words, she meets needs within her own household. They're clothed with scarlet. Sharing the truth of Christ with our own children. Aaron was not only to wear these garments, but it says his sons were also to wear the garments. Amen? It was not just that Aaron would be uh, a priest of the Lord, but all of his family would enter into consecration. We'll see that in the next chapter uh, a, a little bit more. But it goes on in Proverbs uh, 31, verse 22, she makes tapestry for herself, fine linen and purple, the very colors, we see the same ones, that the church is going to be robed in the very colors of our high priest, amen? The scarlet, the fine linen, the purple. Uh, her husband is known in the gates, He's known in the gate. He's known as a man of integrity. It's beautiful when you find honest people today, isn't it? Because it's rare. Just like a diamond is rare, so is honesty. Amen? Why are diamonds worth a lot of money? Because they're rare. Why is gold worth a lot of money? Because you don't find near as much gold as you find granite. Right? They're precious because of their rarity. Is your faith precious in its rarity in a world that doesn't seem to have any standards anymore? Amen? What about this? When you think about beauty, Paul would write in Romans 10 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are the feet. God thinks your life is beautiful if you're doing the things that he's told you to do. If you don't, how many share the Lord with someone this week? That's a beautiful thing to the Lord. That's beauty. Now, it doesn't matter if the world thinks of it as beauty. Who judges your beauty? God does. He says the feet are beautiful of those who preach the gospel, those that will go into bond air tonight and share the Lord. That's beautiful to the Lord. Not your brand new car, right? That doesn't impress the Lord. Oh, it's a beautiful car. Best I've ever had. God says, but I find feet beautiful that actually share me. By the way, notice that there was nothing on the high priest's feet. Bare feet. Couldn't enter without feet off. You're on holy, I mean, shoes off, just like Moses at the burning bush, holy ground. God wants our feet to be consecrated 
to be sharing Christ with a lost and dying world. Let's look at the, the next two briefly for, for glory. For glory. So we know that uh, these garments that God gave the priesthood and he has given us through salvation are for beauty, for glory. Psalm 60 verse 4, it says, You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed of the truth. The banner we display is for God's glory. It's for God's glory. It's not. I don't display, you know, we just got the website up and running. Praise the Lord, by the way, as of Tuesday, 79 downloads of the messages. Praise the Lord. I give cards to everyone. Now, I even highlight the website uh, with a highlighter, and I say, go check this out. And by the way, I'll tell you one message that, that I haven't had a person yet not, I don't know if they ever listen to it, that's between them and the Lord, but I know the interest level is high. Our president, for example, was just in what country? Israel. What country is constantly in the news? Israel. Uh, I give the card and I say, hey, check out the, the teaching I gave on Ezekiel 36, coming back from the land of Israel. I have not had a person, people that, that, that don't care about church have immediately synchronized with me and enough to say, I might just do that. Why? Because the more I talk to people, I, I witnessed to several people this week, uh, I had an issue with our microwave, an issue with our uh, uh, water heater. Sound like you guys, right? right? So they come out, to, and, and I get to witness, all, they come to my house. So it's like they're, tra- they're trapped. And uh, it's awesome. And, but I end up having these neat conversations, and these guys want to hang out for a while because what I end up finding is they've got a lot of hidden fears they don't tell anybody about. They're afraid of where the world's headed. They see it all coming apart at the seams. And we have the opportunity to lift up the banner of truth, say, hey, I, I can tell you why this is happening. And the only reason I know is because it's written right here. And just share with them the truth. In your life, do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? He's given a banner to those who fear Him, not a banner to those who don't fear Him. If you don't fear the Lord, you don't have any banner to wave. But a banner to those that fear Him. R.A. Torrey said, cultivate, prompt, exact, unquestioning, joyous obedience to every command that is evident from the context as it applies to you. Be on the lookout for new orders from your king, not your compadre. Although Jesus is our friend, he's also our king. Blessing lies in the direction of obedience to them. God wants us to give him glory through obedience, through joyous obedience. And it's hard to have joy. I, I preached on joy, by the way. You guys know that that's a theme. I preached on it down at the Outer Banks, and, and, uh, and people came forward with tears. Because I know the Lord revealed that many Christians don't have it. But the reason why many don't have joy is they also don't first have obedience. You cannot be in joyful harmony with the Lord and be in disobedience to the Lord. The two do not go hand in hand. And by the way, try entering the Holy of Holies as the high priest with disobedience. The bells aren't ringing, are they? Right? <laughs> now, God, God gives us a lot of grace, though, doesn't he? he? He didn't strike you down this week because you entered the Holy of Holies with sin, did he? Or me. I see you're all here. And I know that every one of us failed this week. But does that mean, uh, we don't need to fear the Lord? No, that should give you a greater awe of the Lord, a greater respect of God, a greater gratitude, a greater of giving glory to your friends and neighbors, saying, no, no, I serve a God who loves me and continues to conform me to his image because trust me, I'm not perfect. 
and they already know you're not perfect. But they also will know if you sincerely love God, right? Do you think it? Do you think that the Babel? Uh, do you think that the um, the Persians had any doubt that Daniel loved his God? Did they think Daniel was perfect? No, they hated Daniel. Couldn't stand him. But I tell you what, they knew he gave glory to his God. What did he do three times a day? He prayed towards Jerusalem. They knew for a fact he gave glory to God. And as, as Daniel gave glory to God, ultimately it was used in a great way. His enemies were defeated. God was even further glorified. And actually it became a command and throughout the entire kingdom, you could not malign the God of Israel after that. What will you and I do to live so you know, giving God glory in our life, that ultimately, even people that don't agree with us, I say, I say, you know what? No matter what, that person always gives glory to God, even if I don't like or, you know, agree with them. God wants us to live lives to give glory, just like the priesthood. It's obvious. It was obvious. Is your, is your commitment to Christ obvious? We'll say, what do you mean? Well, if you saw me wearing the high priest duties, it would be obvious that I was a priest of Israel. Amen? You wouldn't have to wonder, hey, what's he dressed up for? Everyone would know that you were of the tribe of Levi and that you at that time were the high priest. And if you weren't the high priest, you'd be wearing the white garments with the sash. Everyone would know. It would be obvious. Is it obvious to people that you live your life in glory to the Lord? Or would people never, is there not enough evidence to convict you of a believer? That's a scary thought, isn't it? Because Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. I love what Jesus said. He didn't say you would even have a haphazard guess. He said you would know them by their fruits. Those of you who have traveled around and you've gone to their places, when you meet another born-again Christian and they're really, they love the Lord, you know as soon as you meet them, you know there's something in them that's the same as you, and your spirit bears witness. You see that their spirit gives glory to God, and your spirit gives glory to God. Boom, you're like good friends, and you never... I have met people that receive me as if I was their blood brother, and I've met them once in another state, and I immediately, my spirit bears witness, and I could hang out with them as if we'd known each other for years. Then I meet people that are so-called Christians that wouldn't want to spend an hour, a minute with me. Not because of me, because I can tell they're uncomfortable with the presence of God. Isn't that sad? But if our lives give glory to God, it's a unified priesthood. It's Aaron and his sons giving glory together. The, uh, the, re- the remainder of Isaiah 61.3, I mentioned it in the opening, but the remainder of it says, he gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees. Trees are strong, aren't they? Deep roots. Trees of righteous, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Your roots go deep, that who could be glorified? The Lord. And he gives us a spirit of praise. We used to have a spirit of heaviness. We used to have a spirit of Egyptian bondage. Now we have a spirit of praise. Do people see the spirit of praise in your life? Do they see your life praising, glorying God? Or they say, you know what? That person's less happy than I am. Why would I ever want their Christian bondage? That's a sad thought, isn't it? 
Instead, I want the little Hebrew children looking up to the priest and saying, Mom or Dad, like a little Samuel, I want to serve the Lord like that someday. Amen? That's what they would look up to see. The last point will come to a close here for holiness. For holiness. Now, you actually could, you actually could uh, end it there because everything you do for the beauty and the glory of the Lord is all for the holiness of the Lord. Amen? They're all completely woven together just as the fabrics of the ephod itself. First Chronicles 16.29, it says, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Do you see, the, all the, do you see the, how they all came together there? I read it again. Give to the Lord the glory. There's the glory. Bring an offering. Remember ourselves on the brazen offering, if you were here before. Come before him, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The glory, the beauty, and the holiness, all in the same verse. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, 29. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 15, But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, even your tax return. Right? You're holy in the things that no one sees but God. That's genuine holiness. The things that no one else sees. You want to be in all of your conduct. Philippians 2.15, Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The world can see purity because it's rare, right? Praise is rare. Giving God glory is rare. Living a holy and set-apart life is rare. Don't worry about what people think you're weird. You don't lord holiness over people. You just live a holy life, right? We're not lording it over them. We're not walking around saying, you know, uh, you people, you people. No, we just live, we live a holy life and let God do the ministry of the priesthood through us. Jesus said, and I come to a close here in Revelation 3.8, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Think of the priesthood. That you may be rich. Think of the, the, you think of how much value the high priest garlands would be worth. We're talking thousands of dollars. Thousands. And by the way, in Israel had to make hundreds of them over the years. Mind-boggling. Some people say, what a waste of money, God. God's like, it's just rocks to me. I counsel you to be rich. White garments. The day-to-day garments of the priest were what? The day-in, day-out garments were the white garments. White garments, you may be clothed. The shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Exactly what the trousers were said to do. Anoint your, anoint your uh, eyes with eye salve that you may see. And then in Revelation 6.15, he says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. See, the Lord Jesus has given garments, priestly garments, a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter 2.9, the whole verse says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that you? 
Are you the priesthood that Peter's speaking of here? Uh, do you know that, uh, that you have been called out of darkness? And do you live to point people to his glorious light? Are you looking at everything in your life and say, Lord, I'm not perfect, but I want to have you daily cleanse me. It's as simple as what I prayed at the beginning. If you can pray that for you to live as Christ, God will keep you uh, able to serve daily and minister to him as his priest in this world. Amen?